Welcome in to Locked On Phillies, the home of the most painstakingly excruciating team in baseball who can never win and is in the midst of another September collapse and only creates pain. Should be a fun episode. Let's get started. You are Locked On Phillies. Your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, I'm your host, Connor Thomas. This is Locked On Phillies. Uh, I want to thank you for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Um I'm your host of Locked On Phillies for the time being until I renounce my Philadelphia Phillies fandom after they utterly collapse this year and never watch baseball again. I don't know what to tell you. The Phillies lose again last night to the Cubs. Uh, they lose 4-2. to two. The offense was absolutely despicably quiet again. They were terrible with runners in scoring position. They were 2-for-16 with runners in scoring position. Uh, they, they were awful. Aaron Nola wasn't terrible. He had a really, really bad inning where he gave up four runs, and that's unacceptable, uh, especially against a lineup like the Cubs. Uh, the Phillies have now lost four straight. They're, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Giving up a three-run home run to Chris Morrell is not good. That's that's bad. Bryce Harper had all of the RBIs for your offense, all two of them. He's had all three of them in the series. Everyone else is without an RBI. That's bad. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know what to say, man. I don't know how this team is possibly. It, it's driving me insane. Just like if you're watching on YouTube, just like look at my hair and my demeanor and everything. Like this team is driving me absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm wearing this happily. I literally put the shirt on just for this reason. It's a softball team I played on called Agony of Defeat. And it's got a, a foot on it. It's a play on words. But um, yeah, the Agony of Defeat is real after last night. Uh, to make matters worse, the Brewers won, so that's great. So the Phillies are just right in the middle of a, of another collapse. They can't beat the Cubs. Uh, they got shoved against by a guy who had 22 and a third major league innings in his career prior to that. Was Nesky something or other? I, I, I don't know. I talked about him yesterday. The Phillies should have handled him. They didn't. Uh, I'm distraught at this point. This team is unbelievably annoying. Uh, annoying isn't even a good enough word for it. And I gave you my analysis on what's going wrong with the team yesterday. I'll, I'll recap shortly, but it's top of the line of not producing the big name guys mainly. It's the bullpen not being great. And actually, they were pretty good last night. Took care of business when Aaron Nola was out. But unfortunately, the runs that Nola gave up were enough to lose the game. And uh, mentally... Uh, they're not ready to be in the playoffs. And I don't know if some of these guys ever will be because mentally they can't rise to the occasion. That last one's still the biggest one. You saw it again last night. Mentally, this team is collapsing in on itself. Uh, I don't know what Rob Thompson can do. I don't know what you want a manager to do. This isn't on Rob Thompson. I'm not putting this on him uh, in like 95% of the ways. Like He might shoulder 5% of the blame. Not nearly enough for him to be part of this conversation. What, what do you want him to do? Tell his players that are making $20 million a year, hit the baseball? And just the, the issue is 
the successes are so inconsequential. The Bryce Harper two RBIs don't matter because it's just two RBIs and they're not even RBI hits. They're like sack flies or fielder's choice ground outs to turn into RBIs. Uh, Nick Castellanos had what three hits last night, but they all came in just not important spots. This team doesn't feed off each other right now. They're, they're not stringing stuff together. And maybe the more excruciating thing is we've seen them do it this year. We've seen them be an incredible baseball team. We saw the stretch in June and July of how good this team could be and what Kyle Schwarber is and what this team could be even missing Bryce Harper. And I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell any of you out there listening to this right now. If you're expecting the Philadelphia Phillies to make the playoffs, I don't know how you can at this point. Uh, mathematically, they're still favored to get in. They have the tiebreaker over Milwaukee. But, man, this team has given you no reason to believe in them. And I had a tweet. I will read you this tweet verbatim because I got a lot of uh, lot of responses on this yesterday on, on Twitter. And this is what I tweeted out post-game as soon as the game ended. This was my immediate thought as to what's going on with the Philadelphia Phillies and the thought process that some fans have. Uh, in quotations. Why is Citizens Bank Park so empty? The Phillies are in a playoff race, exclamation mark. This is why. Believing in this team only leads to pain, and the fan base is over it. That, that's it. The, this team has given you no reason to believe in them whatsoever. Just absolutely none. Why would you spend your hard-earned money on the Phillies? Why would you believe in this team? Why would you expect them to be different? They've shown you what they are. Jason Stark, Hall of Fame baseball writer from Philadelphia, a uh, good friend of us over at 97.5 The Fanatic. I've talked to Jason uh, many times. And he had a great tweet uh, about, well, it's not, it's not great. It sucks for the Philadelphia Phillies, but it, it shows you what's going on. Over the past five Septembers, uh, I believe it's only the Arizona Diamondbacks have been worse than the Philadelphia Phillies as far as games over or under 500. I think that's 27 games under 500 for them. The Phillies are 25 games under 500 in the last five Septembers when you combine those records. You don't make the playoffs if you do that. The other teams that were in that conversation were the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Miami Marlins, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are all terrible. The Marlins only made it in because the Phillies collapsed. I'm losing my mind with this team. Uh, I don't know what is going on with them in the locker room. It doesn't seem like they have fight in them. I don't know who the leader of this team is. I don't know who steps up and uh, talks about things. Like, it's funny they're playing the Cubs. David Ross was that guy on that 2016 Cubs team. Him and uh, Hayward, because you remember Hayward made the speech in the uh, extra innings game in Game 7 in Cleveland for the Chicago Cubs when they won Game 7 and ultimately won the World Series. But David Ross, another one of those guys who retired right after and then pretty immediately went into managing. They had vocal leaders, adults in the room, who either had been there before or knew well enough of how to get a team there. Who's that Who's that guy for the Phillies? Rob Thompson, is. Uh, he's been good, but he hasn't been there before. Like, he's been an assistant on good teams. This is his first year managing. Bryce Harper hasn't been there before. JT Romuto hasn't been there before. Gene Segura hasn't been there before. Reese Hoskins hasn't been there before. Alec Boehm hasn't been there before. And even if they had, none of those guys really have that personality. The only guy who's really been to the mountaintop is Kyle Schwarber. And maybe he's trying to will these guys on, but I, I don't know. I just don't see the fire from them. I don't see the fight. This team doesn't look like they're in the playoff race. 
if you had to ask which team of the two playing in Chicago right now, not the Cubs and first White Sox, I mean, like in this series between the Cubs and the Phillies, looks like they're competing for a playoff spot. It wouldn't be the Phillies. The Phillies look like the team that has their golf bags packed already. That's ready to go to Punta Cana or Cabo or wherever they go in the offseason, soak up some rays, take some time off. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand. Listen, I don't know how this team pulls out of it. I don't know how this team rectifies what they've already done. I don't know how this team, frankly, wins back over the fan base again. Uh, I don't understand how they make it in. I don't. Even mathematically having a lead right now, I don't understand how they make it in because they don't believe that they deserve it. They're not playing like they deserve to be a playoff team. Not like, oh, the way that they're playing doesn't deserve to get in. No, they're playing like deep down if you ask them, if they took a lie detector test, uh, do you think you guys are good enough to make the playoffs? They'd say no. That's what they're playing like right now. They're playing like they've already been eliminated. And I, I just I don't understand how a team could have that mentality, being as talented as they are, being as good as they are at some points of the season, having as many games left and plenty of time to cement themselves and not playing tough opponents outside of the Astros the rest of the way. I, I don't it's it's inconceivable. It's absolutely inconceivable that they're doing this again and that they're collapsing again. And if they don't make it this year, well, I don't know how the fan base ever comes back to support them. Uh, I don't know. I'll continue to do this podcast. I'll continue to root for them. But I can't tell any of you in good faith that you should because it feels like a absolutely fruitless effort right now. Just nothing you can do that can talk this team into being as talented as they're supposed to be and finding a way into the playoffs. Now, they can still back in. And this is a dark time because they literally just lost and they've lost two to Chicago and they've lost four in a row. And, hey, maybe they win this afternoon. And we're going to talk about that coming up and preview the game and talk through everything there in this next segment. And then maybe they go and they win four of four against Washington. And they run off a five-game win streak. And Milwaukee has trouble against Miami. And Milwaukee has trouble against the Diamondbacks. And they see some tough pitching in those final two series there. And maybe that that works out. I, I don't know, man. But right now, it's a really dark time to be a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Coming up next, we're going to preview uh, game three against the Cubs and Ranger Suarez's start and an opportunity where the Phillies, once again, look like they should be the favorite team and are the favorite team. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, and I will talk you through how the Phillies could win if they do actually pull it out today. Uh, we'll talk about that next in the next segment of Locked on Phillies. First, though, I want to tell you about my friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, teams, matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. Listen, great Thursday night game coming up between Miami, Cincinnati. A lot of fun props and bets on that one. It's going to be some really talented football being played out there. Go ahead and check that out. And see what Bet Online says about that and how you can make some money on it. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. 
It's time to take a look at the final game between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Chicago Cubs. Now, it's a 2.20 p.m. start, an afternoon game, a day game at Wrigley. And you know what that means. That place is going to be packed. Uh, Wrigley is constantly filled. I had uh, a couple of people respond to me, well, the Cubs have some, uh, they, they've got a packed stadium. Yeah, it's not totally comparable because it's Wrigley and it's a landmark it's more of a museum than it is a baseball field to some people up there in Chicago and well-deserved too. It's an amazing park that I hope to get to one day. Everyone I know that has gone there says you gotta, if you're a baseball fan, make your way out there and sit at Wrigley and do a day game in the outfield bleachers. So I'm sure it'll be busy out there. I'm sure it'll be a bunch of people in blue rooting on the Cubs, which is not great for the Philadelphia Phillies and the environment that they'll have to overcome. Not that I think it'll be a raucous crowd, but just, uh, I don't know, man. Any little bit seems to take this team off their feet when it comes to facing adversity. But here's the good news, right? Ranger Suarez takes the mound for the Philadelphia Phillies. He's 10-5 and this year with a 3-3-8 ERA, a 1-3 whip, 146 in the third innings pitched, 135 hits given up, struck out 122. Now he's walked 55. A lot of those came early in the season when his command was terrible, but his command is an issue. 12 home runs only, though, is not an issue. He doesn't really let the ball leave the yard all that much, and the ERA is in a good spot. He's your third-best starter, and he's going up against Javier Asai. Now, let me tell you about my new friend, Javi, who I'm doing a little bit of research on uh, ahead of this game. Well, he's 25 years old, out of Tijuana, Mexico. He's got career, seven games played, a career 27 and a third innings pitch. Now, last night, you saw a guy who had 22 and a third innings pitch in his career. Tonight, you're seeing 27 and a third innings pitch. Uh, here's what he's done so far this year. He's 0-2 record-wise, uh, or sorry, 1-2 record-wise, a 4-2 ADRA, 23 strikeouts, and a 1.57 whip. Uh, just a really, really beatable pitcher. Now, he's got 23 strikeouts in, let's just go to this year, Yeah, 23 strikeouts in 27 and a third innings pitch. So he's going to strike some batters out. Uh, He's also walked 17 and 27 in a third innings pitch. This should be a guy you'd be very selective against. Uh, 14 runs given up in 27 and a third innings. So basically, he's giving up a run every other inning. If the Phillies only score one or two runs against Javier Assad, I might throw this laptop out the window and this podcast might end right there. They've got to be able to hit this guy. They have to. Otherwise, they're dead in the water. Today is like a make-or-break day for the Philadelphia Phillies. It is a must-win game. You cannot get swept by the Phil- uh, by the Phillies, by the Chicago Cubs, and expect to be able to make it into the playoffs because the Marlins, the Marlins, the Nationals have been really, really good lately. For like relatively for them, you go into Washington for four games after getting swept by the Cubs. What confidence do you have that you're going to beat them? Why? Because you've done it earlier this year. Maybe, I, I guess, but that team's in a similar spot to where the Cubs are at. And Davey Martinez has already said that for the integrity of the game, they're going to be playing their players. Sick. That's fun. That's a great time. So, uh, I don't – or, I'm sorry, I think that was Dusty Baker with the uh, Houston Astros that said that. Either way, none of these teams the Phillies are playing the rest of the way. Chicago today – Washington for the next four and Houston to end out the three are going to be resting guys. They're going to play the season out, which means you got to beat teams that are actually trying to beat you. There's no luck with the, Hey, they don't, they're not playing anything 
or anything, they might let us in. No, that ain't happening. You got to earn your way in. And frankly, I don't know how you have faith in the Phillies to do that at this point. And looking, that's just the pitching matchup. And ESPN Analytics says 63.5% chance for the Philadelphia Phillies to win, 36.5% chance for the Cubs. Phillies minus 205 on the money line. So looks like the Phillies are largely favored again. We'll see how that plays out. Just an idea where they are in the wild card standings now. The Phillies are 83 and 71. The Milwaukee Brewers are 83 and 72. Now, they're one game back in the loss column, and the Phillies also have the tiebreaker. So if the Brewers were to lose another game, or I mean, even if the Phillies were to lose today, then they'll still be up on the Brewers by virtue of the tiebreaker. I just, I'm tired of tiebreakers. I'm tired of it being this close. It should not be this close. This should team, this team should not only have 83 wins at this point. They should be where San Diego is at 86 and change with two and a half or three and a half games up and be much more in comfortable shape. Instead, they're in a virtual lock for the third wild card spot. And thank goodness that they have the tiebreaker, but it's not good. Now here's, while we're on the case, what Milwaukee has the rest of the way, because this is something I do want to cover so you're aware what the Brewers are dealing with. Because there are some things that make you feel a little bit better when you look at this. Milwaukee plays today at 7.40 p.m. at home, because all their games remaining are at home, versus the Miami Marlins. And Garrett throws for the Marlins today. Alcantara goes for the Marlins Friday. But he does face Corbin Burns. You need Sandy Alcantara to outduel Corbin Burns on Friday. And then also Cabrera goes for the Marlins, Edward Cabrera, on Saturday. And Cabrera's been really, really good for a 24-year-old who's still new to Major League Baseball. He's been great. Then you get Lopez on Sunday in the four-game set against Miami Marlins. No listed starter for the Brewers yet. But Alcantara, Cabrera, not easy guys to face. And then in the series against Arizona, only one pitcher is listed, but Zach Gallen, who has been incredible. He'll throw on Monday, October 3rd against Brandon Woodruff. That's a tough pitching matchup, but still, like Gallen is a really formidable pitcher. There's a chance that Alcantara and Cabrera and Gallen shove against the Milwaukee Brewers, whose lineup has not been all that good this season. They've been good lately, but... They haven't really been all that good this season. So, hey, that's that's possible that that plays into the Phillies' favor. That's where we are at this point, folks. There's no shame in it because that's what we need. We need to hope that the Brewers lose a bunch because the Phillies aren't winning. They're, they're just not doing it, and maybe they'll miraculously turn it around. But I don't have faith in that at any point. We need to root for the Brewers to lose. It's the only way. So let's go Marlins. Shout out Peter Pratt, the host of Locked On Marlins. Uh, I'm going to be sending him a message. I'm going to say, yo, we need some some help. Talk to your boys. <laughs> do what you got to do. Find a way to beat Milwaukee, a four-game sweep. Oh, man, could you imagine how nice that would be? And then the Phillies go to Washington and take care of business. Cool, but the biggest thing is the Phillies take care of what's in front of them. Beat the Cubs today, or uh, I'm going to be full-on – that they don't make it. That's it. It's make or break today. And they'll have to do more, but these are these are basically playoff games the rest of the way. That's it. I don't know what else to tell you. Win or you're not going to be in, and this fan base is going to quit on you. 
All right, here's what we're going to do. Coming up, we're going to do a little bit of stepping off. We're going to step outside the Phillies realm because they're heartbreaking and annoying, and I want nothing to do with them anymore during this podcast. We're going to talk about the big news around baseball that also happened last night and have a little bit of debate about home run records. We'll talk about that and stepping off coming up here in just a second. All right, so this is stepping off. Now, stepping off is like when you step off the rubber. Now, don't tell this to, to Blyer down there in Miami because he balked three times in one inning in a game against the Mets. But what you should do is you should probably step off and reset so you don't get called for a balk. But the point of this uh, this little segment we do here in the middle of the week is to step off, take a deep breath, step outside the lines of baseball or step outside the realm of Philadelphia Phillies baseball and kind of break up the constant focus on the Phillies with just a little bit of general lighter conversation. And so we don't go crazy because at this point in the year, I'm going to go nuts if I have to continually talk about this team collapsing. Well, Aaron Judge hit his 61st home run yesterday. (laughs) And, uh, well, there's so much going on around about it. First of all, it's a tie for the American League record with another Yankee, of course, Roger Maris, uh, who did it way back 61 years ago, which what are the chances of that, right? But when Roger Maris did it, and there's a great film out there called 61 with an asterisk because Roger Maris did it in an expanded season. So the season was longer for the first time, and then Roger Maris went out and hit 61, so we had more games. So a lot of people said, oh, it's not the real record. Well, Judge has tied it. And I've heard some commentary about, oh, why do we care about just the American League record? Well, first of all, there's a lot of cool things going on with it, like the 61 years in between them both hitting 61, then both playing for the Yankees. Roger Maris being the first guy to do it, and a lot of people believing he's got the real mark because everyone above him has been linked to steroids in some way for the single-season home run records, talking about Bonds, McGuire, Sosa. like So other people have done it and cleared 61, but Judge and Maris and Judge for the time being. Not that I expect him of any type of steroid use. I'm just saying I, who knows. But um, Judge for the time being and Maris are the two believed to have reached this mark by playing the game fairly. That's awesome. Uh, I do believe it's something worth celebrating because how often do you see a 60 home run season? I guess it's happened before, but rarely. And in today's game, with the pitching the way it is today, with the baseballs the way they are today, remember the start of the season? Remember the first month where it's like there's no home runs anywhere? What's going on? Yeah, well, Aaron Judge was just pounding away at the baseball anyway because he's a monster. And even though he plays in a small stadium up there in New York, and that is kind of cheap uh, at some points, he doesn't get cheated most, or he doesn't get cheap shot home runs very often. He hits the ball at absolute mile. He's a superhuman. Imagine this going into a contract year too, or like he's in a contract year, going into a year you're going to get paid. That's all awesome. So kudos to Aaron Judge getting 61, and we'll see how many more he could tack on as the Yankees round out their schedule. Now, speaking of getting paid, there was a guy in the outfield that the ball was hit right below him. He was like leaning over the railing right in front of him and off the end of his glove, missed it. That ball was a million dollar home run ball or more. Missed it. That's got to hurt. And then it ends up, interestingly enough, no fan gets it. It ends up in the Blue Jays bullpen and their bullpen coach gets the ball and has it for a second before returning it to the Yankees. Meanwhile, the bullpen coach's wife 
who lives down in Florida that's currently being affected by Hurricane Ian is tweeting out some hilarious stuff like, man, he doesn't even know if our house is still here and he's giving away a ball worth a million dollars. Like, yo, check in with me first. And <laughs> thought that was funny that she's ripping on her husband a little bit for giving that back and having that ball in his hand and what it could have been worth. Uh, I commend him for giving it back. I feel like it would be a bad look for someone who's a coach of an organization as part of the game in some capacity to keep that ball and profit from it. Like you can't really do that. It's like if the ball bounces back into the left fielder and he just like pocketed it and like, come on that no one's going to do that. So I think he made the right decision, but funny there, how sick does that guy have to be though, that brought the glove to the game and missed the opportunity to catch Aaron judge's 61st home run ball. That's it's a real shame for him. But a real great moment for baseball, one of the great stories this year. So now we have Pujols reaching 700. He reached his milestone and checked it off. And now Aaron Judge has hit 61, which is really the mark that everyone was focused on, considering both it's the top clean mark or what's considered to be the top clean mark for the single-season home run record. And also it's the American League uh, record and the Yankee record. So Aaron Judge is now co-owner of that record with Roger Maris. We'll see if he'll hit 62 uh, going for – or was that 60 – did I say this whole thing wrong? Was that a 60-second home run? I'm going to be feel like an idiot if that was the case. Uh, let's just blame it on the Phillies breaking my brain. Uh, hang on. Aaron Judge. I'm just Googling this real quick. No, yeah, it was 61. Okay, cool. I was going to say, I'm not crazy. All right, he's tied the AL home run record. So, great. We'll see what he does the rest of the way. If he breaks it, uh, how high he can go. Uh, we know when he's going at his best, he can hit multiple home runs in a game, but just a fun stepping off looking at what's going on with Aaron Judge there and a team that's actually going to make the playoffs, the New York Yankees. That's all my time for today's Locked on Phillies. I want to thank you for making Locked on Phillies your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, Sully, I got a crossover coming out with him this week where we talk about the Phillies and the potential collapse and what it could mean for this organization. You can check out his work wherever you get your podcasts. You can check it out on YouTube. You can check it out on the Odyssey app. Sully, Paul Francis Sullivan on Locked On MLB does great work. So check that out. That's all my time. Uh, I'm going to go settle in ahead of this day baseball game. And hopefully the Phillies give me something positive to talk about tomorrow because I'm losing my mind. I'm sure you are too. But we'll lose it together next time on Locked On Phillies.